Welcome to Life in the Cloud, the official podcast of Tuple Technologies. Join us each week to hear from experts in cloud migration and IT management as we talk about the latest technologies and trends in cloud and other exciting new developments in tech. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Life in the Cloud. I'm your host, Chris Reddy, and today I'm joined by Benjamin Fabre of Datadome. Benjamin, thanks for being here. Hello. Nice to meet you, Chris. Great. Let's get started with the first question. The first question I always ask is, you know, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got to where you are at Datadome. Yeah, so I'm Benjamin. I'm Datadom co-founder and CTO. Um, actually, I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. Datadom is the third company I've created with Fabien, my partner. Um, together, we've built a scalable B2B product for more than two decades based on the cloud, the big data, and now the machine learning uh, to provide services to enterprise and to some of the largest companies. I'm the technical guy along with Fabien, and I worked mostly on the R&D and the product on the big data and the cybersecurity. Okay, okay. Could you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, you know, about your background, and I guess you mentioned you have a technical background. So did you work at a variety of other tech companies before starting Datadome? So Datadome is the first company we have created together, and actually we have always been a co-founder of the company where we have worked in. Um, before Datadom, we had created a company that was doing uh, social monitoring online. So we were developing robots to uh, fetch content on the internet and generate dashboard to monitor the brand reputation online. So we are in the bot industry for more than a decade. And we were actually surprised that those robots were most of the time not blocked by websites and mobile applications. And we realized that the hackers could leverage those robots to generate huge threats against the digital businesses. And that's the very beginning of Datadom. That's interesting. Tell us more about that founding story. How exactly did you realize that various platforms were allowing in bots? Yeah. So... We were surprised to see that almost none of our robots were blocked by websites and mobile applications. And we start to wonder what is the percentage of bot traffic on the internet? So we have asked a few of our friends, can we set up a tiny monitoring piece of software on your web server to start seeing what is the part of the human traffic and the bot traffic? And when the bots are coming, what are they trying to do on your website or your application? And we discovered that half of the internet is generated by robots and not human, and that a significant part of those robots are actually very dangerous and leveraged by hackers. Benjamin, you said about half of the internet is yeah, just bots? This is, yeah, this that's is crazy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's completely huh. crazy. Yeah. And, and most so, of them are doing nefarious intents? Exactly. So some of them are good. 40% are good, so they are the bots running, run by Google, by Facebook, for your SEO, for your visibility on the social networks. Then there is uh, the gray area of the scrapers that are fetching the content, sometimes to uh, provide services to enterprise, but sometimes also that can be your competitor that is trying to get your pricing online to adjust in real time uh, their pricing strategy. And sometimes there are very bad bots that are trying to hack your website find vulnerabilities, run credential stuffing attack, or a account takeover to threaten your business. Interesting. So 
this intrigues my curiosity a bit. How long has the internet been like this? Has it always been a bunch of bots doing uh, nefarious things? Mm -hmm. We've seen a significant increase of those uh, robots during the last few years um, because there are so many rewards for the hackers because internet is now uh, such a huge part of the world economy. So this is the reason why the hackers are more and more using bots. And they can spread those bots by using different techniques. And I'm sure we'll deep dive into that with you as your auditor would be probably interested. So the part of the bad bots have significantly increased during the last few years. And I with see. the COVID, yeah, and with the COVID, we've seen also an increase, like 30% increase of the bad bots during the last 12 months. Uh, because the business is going massively online. So that's the place where the bad guys can generate more and more revenues. And I would imagine that trend you've seen an increase of bots and also increase in the bad bots, that's only going to continue. I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, definitely. This is the best way for the hackers to uh, generate massive revenue by spreading and uh, using the scale of a robot to generate massive actions. Okay. So I think that's a good segue into what Datadome does and your guys' mm -hmm. product. Could you tell us a bit about Datadome's product and what it does to combat these bots? Yeah, so we have deployed a unique technology that can be set up on any website, any inside any application, any cloud provider or CDN. So we deploy a tiny piece of software inside our customer infrastructure. And our technology will monitor in real time the traffic to split the human vs the robot and inside the robot to split the good one and the bad one. And if we focus on the bad one, uh, we will provide our customers KPIs on what are the bad bots that are running a content cover, credential stuffing, DDoS attack, uh, all threats that can be generated by uh, robots will be visible on the dashboard and Datadom will be in charge of detecting and blocking them in real time. And we provide to our customers uh, some dashboard and some notifications on Slack, on a team or on inside the CM and the SOC, where they can be informed when there are massive attack on their websites. Because sometimes the bots are trying to stall some content, sometimes they are trying to find exploits and some vulnerabilities, or to run some outage on the website by running some like DDoS attack with a massive volume of bots on their websites. Okay, if I wanted to buy Datadome, is it just a, a software that I would buy and install on my servers? It's a software as a service. So you set up the tiny software and then the software will, for every single request on your mobile application, will call Datadome infrastructure to take the decision to allow or to deny the request. So this is a monthly subscription based on the level of services and the traffic of the website that Datadom will analyze in real time by running machine learning at the edge and the threats research team that is also improving technology on a daily basis because it's a constant race between uh, our threat researchers and the hackers that are trying to find new vulnerabilities, new workaround and new technologies. Okay, so for Datadome, who are your typical customers? Is it any company with a website, really? So. Any company with a digital business, um, because if you are running like a, a static website and you have no login section, no product, no cart, 
most of the time the hackers won't have benefits to hit your website except some DDoS attack. That's not the major topic. If you have a static website, most of the time you have will generate no revenue for any hackers. So our focus are mostly on the digital businesses that can be e-commerce websites with the bots that are running credential stuffing, account takeover, the bots that are fetching and scrapping the content, uh, for instance, to run pricing adjustment in real time. So you are impacting your business because you might generate data leak if you are not protected against those threats. You are also hurting your business when your competitor will have in real time the price of every single product on your website and they can adjust the strategy. We are protecting also some, so we're protecting, for instance, uh, Footlocker in the US. And that's a very interesting also story here about the hype sales. You know, sometimes uh, companies are doing some very limited stock launch, like the PS5, for instance, or some sneakers. And the value of this product can go through the roof. If you can buy a PS5, you can sell it in a matter of minutes twice or three times more than what you paid for it. So now those guys are using bots, constantly monitoring any e-commerce website on the planet to look for any inventory of PS5 that they can buy and sell on the market. So Datadump is a great fit. And now the bot protection is a requirement for any digital business like e-commerce websites, for instance, with the bot that are running credential stuffing can take over or getting in real time the price of the product. So when your competitor is trying to adjust in real time the pricing strategy, so that can seriously hurt any business online. And also the hype sites, so when there are some limited inventories like the PS5, for instance, where we are seeing the bots that are trying to buy and to find any available inventory on any e-commerce website on the planet to buy as soon as it's available PS5 and then sell it on the secondary market three or four times more in a matter of minutes. And the classifieds are also targeted by the bots. So we are seeing, we are protecting websites like AngelList, for instance, in the US, where the bots are trying to fetch business intelligence by getting any content available on the companies, on the job post by those companies, etc. And the competitors are trying to fetch these precious data produced by AngelList to generate a new website, for instance. So there are dozens of threats related to the bot traffic, and especially when there are a lot of businesses generated by the website or the mobile application. Okay, that's interesting. You mentioned, you know, for example, with the PS5 or with the some of the shoes when they're released, the demand heavily outstrips the supply. So there's always been exactly. these some enterprising individuals out there that will try to buy it at the stock price and then find someone to sell it to for 2x, 3x, 4x. And, and that more or less is done in real time. And yeah. these people, I guess, they're using software to automate their arbitrage opportunities. And that's exactly what these bots yeah. are used for? Yeah, exactly. So there are some software available that on one side will look at the market, what is the value of the different sneakers, for instance, the shoes. And on the other side, they will monitor if those shoes are available on the different websites like Footlocker, for instance, or Courier, and buy it in real time. So they are doing a trade-off between the price on the secondary market and the price of the acquisition, and they are running it super fast. And this is how, uh, when there are those hype sales in like two seconds, 
thousands of shoes can be directly bought by the robots and then put on the secondary market in a matter of seconds. And also we are seeing a huge increase of those robots because now it's easier than before. The bot as a service solution are available anywhere. So in the past, if you to develop a robot, you had to be an expert of how can I mimic the human behavior on a browser? How can I spread my robot on the internet on millions of different IP addresses? And because that start to be a business, there are now dozens of bot as a service solution without any strong knowledge, uh, create a bot, deploy it and run it uh, just by paying for by minutes or by hour without being an expert at all. So it's not anymore only for the very high specialist, but any newbies can run it. And this is very hard to manage for the websites and the applications. Benjamin, I have a question about that. Um those automated arbitrage situations. Mm -hmm. Why are they so bad? It seems like the, uh, let's say Sony, they're selling all their PS5s and then all those PS5s are being bought by voluntary customers. So what's so bad about that? Because it might impact the brand reputation because at the end, the real consumer, they start to be angry about that. I don't understand why I cannot buy it at the right price. So you're right that Sony will generate revenue from that, but at the end it might generate bad user experience. And also because those robots are so eating so strongly the websites, websites might just slow down or even be unavailable, 100% unavailable, because that can bring us to how Datadome is working in the background. But when there is those kind of hype sales, we are seeing the traffic of this website moving from a few thousands of users per minute to millions of requests per second. And in order to be able to manage this huge amount of traffic, you can either have millions of servers or just filter out this bad bad traffic and let only the few humans that are here be able to access on the website. And because Datadom is deployed before our customer application, we can protect uh, our customer application from this huge spike of traffic. I see, I see. So it preserves the brand image and the, you know, the reputation of the company. Exactly. I could see how the end customer, if they paid two or three X more for a PS5, they'd be mm -hmm. a little bit bothered. Yeah, yeah, I see. So is that the typical use case for Datadom? So no, that's one of the use case. So that's one that is currently kind of under the spotlight for the, the public, but less visible, our customers are facing on a daily basis, huge credential stuffing attack. You probably heard about the massive leakage of login password of LinkedIn, of Yahoo, of, or even Facebook in the past. So now there are databases that can be downloadable on the dark web of between three and four billions of valid login passwords that have been leaked in the past. And now robots are using those databases in order to run attacks and to try every single login password combination on any e-commerce website on the planet. And that's very hard to detect now for if you don't have a solution like Datadom, because they are distributed across millions of different IP addresses. In the past, the hackers 
At the very beginning, they were just running uh, on their own laptop using just one IP address, running the bot and generated like one million of login password attempt. Um, but that's very easy to detect, right? You just have one IP address that generates millions of login attempts. That's super easy to block. That's something that any WAF can do. So now the hackers now in evolved, they have started to use, for instance, cloud provider where you can use AWS, Azure, GCP to get access to thousands of different IP addresses and you can use it as a proxy to distribute your attack. Uh, but that was also not so complex to detect. But today, bots are using residential IP addresses. So they are uh, distributing their attacks on millions of different IP addresses. And you can have a huge credential stuffing attack on an e-commerce website with just one request per IP address on your website. Because the bots are using maybe your on your mobile phone, maybe you don't know at the moment, but there might be a bad application that is using your mobile phone in order to run queries and do attack on some e-commerce website. And they are using infected device, infected mobile, IoT to spread their attack massively and to try to be under the radar for the basic protection solution. Yeah, it's, it's quite a problem that, that companies face, the whole world of cybersecurity, you could say. Actually, about cybersecurity, Benjamin, I, I want to ask you, from your perspective, obviously, maybe the recent hackings, the malware, the ransomware, it's become more of an issue recently. Has that resulted in more business for a cybersecurity company like yours? If you would call yourself a cybersecurity company, I feel like you guys do more than just cybersecurity in terms of your use cases. Yeah, so you're right that a significant part of our business is around cybersecurity and the rest is in a kind of gray area of protecting the business itself from the competition, for instance. But yes, you're right that now we are any website is exposed on the internet because they are using many CDNs, they have many applications, they are running uh, their software inside different cloud providers. So the exposition is wider than it was in the past. So it's hard to be protected now. So this is the reason why the digital businesses need to be protected and have different layer of protection and data and the bot protection are definitely now a requirement. If you are talking with Gartner or with Forrester, all of them say that the bot protection has switched from nice to have to a must have. So this is why uh, we are protecting more and more websites. For instance, recently, so the New York Times is one of our customers and we are protecting them uh, against, uh, on one side, the scrapping to allow them to protect the content they are producing on a daily basis and on the other side on the login uh, because there are some hackers that are trying to get access to their secure section so this is the reason why the cyber security companies are growing super fast we have double our revenue every year for the last three years and we are planning to keep this trend for the next few years and this is definitely because the cybersecurity is now a must-have uh, for any website. Awesome. That's great to hear that the business has been good for you guys. Actually, I want to hear more about the business itself of Datadome from the business side. You mentioned you and uh, your fellow co-founder Fabian started it. How many years ago did you say you started it? And then how has the business been since then? Yeah, we have created the company six years ago. 
Then we've raised uh, Series A and Series B. Uh, so in total, we've raised around $40 million. And we have doubled our revenue for the last three years. We have an office in New York, one in Paris, and one in Singapore. So the U.S. market now is our first market in terms of revenue, then Europe, and then Asia. And we have reached $15 million in ARR the previous quarter. We are on track to keep doubling the revenue for the next 12 months, and definitely, especially in the U.S., where the market is moving super fast. Very interesting. I want to hear about the differences you're seeing by geographical market. Do you think there's a much stronger demand for cybersecurity softwares in the U.S. versus Europe or versus Asia? The U.S. is, is leading the race on many topics on the e-commerce side. So this is the reason why probably they are facing more and more attacks. If you are taking the largest data leakage that we've seen recently, it's LinkedIn, it's Yahoo, it's Facebook. So this is probably the reason why we are seeing more and more threats in the U.S. And they are also a bit in advance in terms of protection. We are seeing a significant a larger percentage of websites being protected in the US. So there is more maturity around the different layer of protections that websites have to set up in the US. But talking about the persona, our customers, they are used to AWS, to Azure, to GCP. They are tech guys. They know the threats very well. And they are looking at the fastest solution to be deployed and that can protect them against those threats. So we have the same messaging. We have the same solution for the three continents. And we have the, actually the same product. If you are in France and you are using AWS, you will have the same console as if you are in the US or if you are in Australia, for instance. So we have just one marketing and one offer because the bots are the same all around the world. The difference might be just around the maturity in terms of deployment of layer of protections. I see, I see. So yeah, the differences are going to be, the, the product is the same, the marketing is the same all over the world. Exactly. Just there might be some maybe minor differences in the maturity of the markets in various countries. Exactly. Okay. Benjamin, I want to ask, what is in the future for Datadome? Mm -hmm. What are the future plans? You already mentioned you're expecting the revenue to double again over the next year. What about beyond that? Or do you guys have long-term plans of an IPO or something like that? Yeah, that's definitely an option on the table. Um, so we are adding more and more layer of protections for our customers. So we were focused on the protection against the automated threats, so run by bots. But now we are developing more and more protection against all online fraud that can be a con takeover, a carding, card cracking, that can be done by both human and robots. So we will be able to protect and we continue to keep increasing and raising the bar on the protection for any threats that any digital businesses can see. So we will add new products on during the next 12 months to our security solution. In terms of funding, you're right that we have different options as we have a very strong growth that was never an issue. And yeah, that would make sense at some point to be uh, public uh, depending on the track. Mm -hmm. I want to ask, because you mentioned this is your third company you've co-founded. What happened to the other two? Were they also successful exits? Yeah, exactly. So we were acquired in the previous company to create a larger group. 
and on the two last previous exits. And this is how we've been able to fund at the very beginning Datadom before having this grow and to raise a fund with standard investors in the US. Ah, very good, very good. Benjamin, I think that's more or less all the questions I have, but is there anything else you want to mention about the company yeah, maybe, or maybe. And anything mm -hmm. that you wish I asked that I did not ask? We can talk maybe a bit around the team itself. We are hiring massively, mm -hmm. uh, so that's something that uh, sort of I, I, we can talk a bit maybe. Yeah, yeah, actually, let's talk about that. You guys have offices in New York, Paris, and Singapore, and you guys are, I'm imagining, trying to grow all of them. What sort of hiring needs are you running into? Yeah, so we are doubling our revenue, but also the headcounts. So today we have half of the team is composed by engineers working on the scalability, on the detection streaming, on the threat research, and half of the team is composed of marketing, corporate, sales. So we are hiring on both sides, of course, so to keep leading the race in terms of cybersecurity and fighting the hackers on a daily basis. So we are hiring massively on the R&D part, and also to keep serving our customers and acquiring new customers. So we will doubling the team headcount on the next 12 months in the three headquarters, US, Europe, and Asia. What's your current headcount? So today we are close to 100 person. Okay, that's uh, globally. Yeah, globally, exactly. Yeah, great. Benjamin, tell me a little bit more about the current team. Who's working for you? So who's working for me just in Datadom in general? Or... Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And who's on the team and how have you done hiring in the past? Did you get connected with staffers to try and quickly scale up the employee count? Mm -hmm. Or is it people from your previous company? Yeah, so... Or organic hiring? Yeah, you're right. So in order to uh, create this amazing team, so we have hired people from our previous company. And so now we are a very strong core team. And then we have invested also a lot on the technologies. So we are using a technology like Apache Flink, like Elasticsearch, and we are publishing tech content frequently to share our expertise, our knowledge. And this is how we've been able to attract talent in the engineering side. And for the sales and the marketing, we are working with a talent acquisition manager to try to attract some of the best expert and talent for the three headquarters. This is how we've been able to move from just a five person inside this core team up to 100 today. And we are still hiring massively. Also feel free to reach out to us if you are looking for an amazing adventure like is Datadom. Certainly. Benjamin, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask for this. This is the third company you've started. I would imagine every time you start a company, one of the things you need to do is hire people, especially if you just received funding, a Series A. You need to hire people quickly and scale the company. But hiring people, it takes a long time, and it's a pretty exhaustive process. And it's, I'd imagine trying to do that, but also, you know, scale your sales and marketing efforts or, you know, also build the product. How does a founder, a co-founder deal with those hiring issues? So we are managing hiring the same way we are managing the sales, actually. We have a pipeline and we are measuring like a funnel and every stage of the funnel is monitored with the time to move every profile from stage to stage. And we are working that exactly the same as we are managing our customer acquisition. 
and Fabian has done an, an amazing job in this part to hire experts in the talent acquisition management and set up all the process to make sure that we are going super fast and at the same time, and you're right, this is a very complex challenge to keep the bar as high as possible. And when you need to hire a lot of person, sometimes you can say, okay, I, the expectations in terms of numbers are so high that I can just lower a bit the expectations. I might look for less expert people, but that's never a good choice to do. So we rather prefer to be a bit late on the hiring plan than lowering the bar in terms of expectations. Yeah, I see. That makes sense. And yeah, that's crucial to keep the quality high. Because I'd imagine you've probably experienced this. If you compromise the quality, it can be very hard to, you know, get rid of people. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah. that, can, and, that and... can be an issue for, the, for an organization. Exactly. And for the team itself, because when there is someone that is not at the same level of the rest of the team, it can generate a significant issue for the, the team spirit. And this is one of the data on core value, the team spirit. And because everyone is very strong, talented, expert, we can have a strong team spirit inside every department. Very good. Yeah, that's very, very crucial to maintain the culture that you have. Yeah, great, great. Benjamin, that's all the questions I have. Anything else you think we should discuss or anything else you want to add? I'm good on my side. Cool, cool. We hope you found some value in this episode of Life in the Cloud. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast. And share this episode on social media with your network. You can continue the conversation with us on LinkedIn by tagging Chris Reddy, at Chris-Reddy. That's at K-R-I-S-R-E-D-D-Y in a comment or by sending a direct message. We look forward to hearing from you.